So it's quite a common assertion in the West that uh, Buddhism, unlike Christianity, doesn't have heaven and hell. And in some ways that's true, in some ways it's false. It doesn't have an eternal hell. It doesn't have an eternal heaven. They are transient, just like all possible conditions in the universe. But there are places of great distress, and there are places of great pleasure. And I suppose the word hell, we're borrowing from Christian language, but it would be better to call it a type of purgatory, because whatever uh, one has done, one is not subject to eternal punishment. Uh, the punishments or the negative results can be very severe, but they're not eternal. And this is something missing usually from the um, meditation course, <laughs> is the, the, the descriptions which the Buddhists have of uh, these both pleasure realms and negative realms. So today we're going to talk about this Nuraya, which is the what the general description of hell, and there's specific ones yes. within that. Yeah, Nuraya is the generic term mm -hmm. for the the uh, lowest type of rebirth, uh -huh. which we we can translate loosely as hell, uh -huh. and it does have some superficial similarities to the Christian idea of hell, and that the, uh, one of the common forms of torture is fire, for example. Yes. And maybe before we get into it, I uh, will quote the Buddha who was, they were talking about hell, and, and this is a, an interesting brief saying by the Buddha that the ordinary person thinks hell is a place below the ocean or below the earth, but that is not where hell is. Hell, I say, is pain. And so the descriptions of the hell realms are some sort of graphic analogy for the kind of severe pain that can be experienced. Um, so if that cheers you up at all, that's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, that being said, there's still the sense in the uh, suttas and even more so in the commentaries of hell as an actual destination rebirth mm -hmm. that a being can... Um, we can experience hellish suffering on earth, as, but it's also possible to be reborn into a place of continual torment, so lowest right. form of rebirth. Yeah, it doesn't, the fact that it's pain does not mean it's not in a place or it's not playing out in an experience, but the essence of hell is pain and the essence of heaven is pleasure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean that they, mm. they're non-existent or it's mm. just a fable. It means that that's the essence of it, mm. it's pain. You know. So let's talk about these uh, uh, places and how one ends up there. One is reborn into Naraya by committing very grievous uh, karma in this life. And there are five deeds that are said to result in a sure rebirth into Naraya. Mm -hmm. It's uh, killing one's mother, one's father, an arahant, wounding a Buddha, or creating a schism in the Sangha. Mm -hmm. 
And since the last one can only be committed by bhikkhus, it's said that uh, there's a saying that um, bhikkhus can go to hell more easily than lay people. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting that such an emphasis on the sustaining of harmony and the non the non-producing uh, of schismatic types of ideas mm. because of the severe result. Sangha needs to be in harmony, have consistent teachings. Mm. And it's, it's said many times by the Buddha that wrong view can lead to hell. And I think it's not so much meant that the wrong view itself leads directly to, to uh, hellish rebirth, but that it can lead one into committing grievous bad karma without understanding it. Yes, yeah. So many ways of justifying murder and mm-hmm. all of these things. For the, the, the ends justify the means. Yes. Turns out they don't. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about a few cases, descriptions of stories where somebody, the the act which precipitates their arrival in hell occurs. Um, There is, for example, uh, Devadatta, who uh, was the cousin of the Buddha and tried to kill the Buddha several times. And when the end of his lifespan came, the earth opened up. And this happens a few times in various stories. It's mm-hmm. that the earth opens up and the being falls directly through a crack in the earth down to, down to the hell realms. Mm-hmm. And it said that uh, because his crime was particularly grievous, he went down to Vichy hell, which is the lowest and the worst of the hells. And mm-hmm. he had a gigantic body there was reborn with a gigantic body so that his feet touched the floor and his head touched the ceiling and spears pierced him from all directions continually he's going to be there for an entire kappa Hmm. yeah severe and graphic negative results although it's also said that uh, when his time there is finished and he's uh, in the next world age, he's reborn as a human. He will become a Pachika Buddha. <laughs> well, this is the, the cheerful side of Buddhism: is that not, you know it's not eternal hell. Uh, you can, you, and maybe we can say that whoever is watching this film has probably been there already mm. uh, on a number of occasions, and also to heaven mm. on a number of occasions. Considering there's a kind of a beginningless, the idea of samsara is beginningless. So you've pretty well been there, done that in the universe, except for one thing, enlightenment, mm. because that terminates the, the round of samsara, but we've all uh, been there, done that. And, but yes, there's a redemptive possibility. Um, mm. You're burning off your, the sentence is being discharged, in other mm. words, and it's not, yes. not limitless. Yeah. And it's, um, the existence in these hells uh, is created by one's own karma. Mm-hmm. So it's not, um, there's a, a kind of a magical quality to it, mm-hmm. uh, black magical, you might mm-hmm. say, because it's, it, they don't follow the ordinary laws of nature. Mm-hmm. The flames in the Vichy hell are so intense that if an ordinary person were standing a, a thousand yojanas away, it would burn out his eyeballs mm-hmm. to look at it. But the beings there are constantly burned by this flame, but they're not consumed. Yes. That's always a, a logical issue. It's like, how, do, how does this stuff go on without them dying? You know, yeah. Perishing. Yeah. Well, let's 
the dimensions of psychological suffering are, are like that. The suffering just seems to persist and persist. The pain persists, but it mm. doesn't seem to finish. Yeah. Mm. The uh, Awichi hell is um, said to be an iron cube, a hundred yojanas across in all directions. And it's packed with suffering beings so tightly that they have that any attempt to move, they end up poking each other. So that that's an additional suffering. <laughs> and flames shoot out from each wall to the far wall. Mm. So from you know north wall to the south wall, from the ceiling to the floor, and so on. So that, and this is um, located in in one of the commentaries is located as being um, some distance below the earth, below Jampudipa, below mm. where where we live. Uh, so that in this image, the foundation stone, as it were, of samsara, the, everything, you know, is built on top of that. There's this, and it's relatively, a hundred yojanas is, you know, a yojan is, uh, 12 kilometers. So it's, you know, a fair size, but mm-hmm. on the scale of the world system, it's quite small, mm-hmm. like the, um, the island we live on, Jampudipa, is said to be 10,000 yojanas across. So you have this small, intense node of ultimate pain is right, right at the core, the root of conditioned existence. It's a bit of a black hole, isn't it? Like in astrophysics, yes. uh, a whole That's sun has yeah. collapsed into this intensely hypergravity kind of mode. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so maybe there's speculation on what happens if you go into a black hole, but then they find out that <laughs> that's where Avicii is. Yeah. What, what, are there higher realms of hell, less, less yes. intense? Yes, yeah, there should um, have some uh, care in talking about it because the, it, there doesn't seem to be a good coherent scheme as there is for the heavens. Mm-hmm. You know, we have for the sagas, the heavenly realms, we can map them out. There's six sensual heavens, 16 heavens of form, and four are formless, and they all fit into a neat scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, the hell realms, are, uh, it's really difficult, probably impossible to find a really coherent scheme in the source material. There are attempts in the commentary to make, make it orderly, mm-hmm. but there's various texts that keep mentioning different hells that don't fit into the scheme. So it's not really possible. There is a kind of an overview. They talk about eight major hells and um, each one has four uh, subsidiary hells. Mm -hmm. But this is, I think, a late artificial attempt to make order of a rather chaotic scheme. Mm -hmm. It seems like um, almost a case-by-case basis. Whatever your particular karma is, there'll be a hell for you. Your karma will create some sort of a yeah. space. And the essence of hell, like as understood in the West and even in sort of the Greek myths and so forth, are is chaos itself. Yes, is, they, the, the lack of yeah. organization. So yes, it's very. It is hard to. It's not surprising that it's asymmetrical and uh, so what we consider to be ugly. Yeah, deeply ugly. Yes, heaven is the opposite. It's it's highly symmetrical. And beautiful. And, yes. And then, yes. therefore, yes. the essence of the good, the beautiful, 
mm. and the true. Mm -hmm. And the mansions and so forth and the beings there are described as beautiful and they, they mm. would be the opposite in the, in the hell. Yeah, they're described as hideous. Yeah, and hideous. Deformed. And, yeah. and the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. And that is the nature of, of evil or... And from a Buddhist point of view, evil is, is a, just the folk term for unskillful. Mm -hmm. So a bad, a bad job of, of conduct, a bad job of life itself produces this suffering chaos. Yeah. It's intrinsic to the universe somehow. Mm. Let's talk about that story where the, about the sailor who... Oh, yes. Mandaka. Mandaka. There was a man who... Um, this is a story from the Jatakas. There was a man who wished to make uh, his fortune and wanted to go to sea as a trader. And his mother tried to talk him out of it. You know, You're my only support. Mm. And... Uh, you can't leave me alone and you might get lost at sea. And he, he grew angry with her and he struck her, knocked her down and mm -hmm. went out anyway. He went off to sea. They got out into the ocean and the, the ship was stuck in a calm. There was no wind. So the sailors, uh, cast lots and decided that he was the jinx mm -hmm. and they threw him overboard. Ah. And he swam for his life and he came to an island that had a crystal palace and four beautiful maidens. And he thought, you know, I've got a maid now. And he mm -hmm. stayed at this place enjoying Deva-like pleasure for seven days. Mm -hmm. But these maidens were uh, Wamana Petis, which we discussed in previously, the ghosts that enjoy Deva-like pleasure for part of the time, mm -hmm. and then they endure suffering after. So they turned into hideous petas, mm. and he fled from there and <clears throat> went swimming again and came to a, a silver palace with eight maidens, and the same thing happened. And then um, a golden palace with 16 maidens, <laughs> and again, the same thing. <clears throat> and the last shore he swam to, he saw what looked like a, a beautiful city mm. with four gates, and he thought, uh, I shall enter the city and make myself its king. Mm -hmm. And he strolled through the gate of the city. And the first person he encountered was a man wearing uh, a wreath of uh, lotus flowers on his head. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, good sir, give me those, give me that wreath. I demand you hand it over. And, he, and the fellow said, it's, it's not a wreath of flowers. It's a razor wheel. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, you're just saying that because you don't want to part with it. Mm. Hand it over. And so the second fellow thought, it must be that my karma has ended. And this fellow has struck his mother down just as I did. <laughs> so he, he takes off this uh, the, the wreath and puts it on Mandika's head. And it turns back into a razor wheel and <laughs> cuts into his head. Yes. And he can't get it off. And... And uh, the other fellow disappears. His karma is finished. He's no longer in hell. Mm -hmm. And Mandika looks around and what he had seen before as a beautiful city has turned into a hideous, terrifying hell mm -hmm. scene. So many lessons in that. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, uh, the Buddhist idea of the proper relationship with your parents. Like the, yes. You, you have to be very careful around your parents. And yes. You, you owe them your existence and your Definitely not to strike them. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Hit your mother. <laughs> and 
Secondly, though, that the perception, the initial perception of these places that Mandaka has gone mm. is inviting. Yes. And it's quite often, you know, imagine entering a gang, you know. Mm. Um, it looks like there's some nice girls and some money and some drugs as well. And uh, uh, that's the uh, beginning of hell, isn't it? It's yeah. the entrance into the... Yeah. deepest maximum security prison <laughs> where <laughs> you're going to end up being murdered in the yard. <laughs> People don't go to terribly negative, painful places voluntarily. Mm. They go through misapprehension and misperception and they're, they're not able to perceive this. I, I remember that one of the uh, gambling, the addiction to gambling is said to be a doorway to the lower planes. Mm. So it's not in itself primarily evil, but it leads to to downwards. Yes. It's, it's something that yeah. this initial, the addiction leads downwards. It's a doorway leading to the lower planes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, um, insight there that it's nobody goes to horrifying places they they all misperceive them as beautiful mm. Mm. there's also um in this story it it highlights the, the the kind of illusory nature yes of these realms the mind created sense of these realms uh and one way of interpreting the story is that he he died immediately being thrown off the ship mm -hmm. he was drowned and these um various uh, realms that he passed through were like yeah. bardo states, you know, yeah. to use Tibetan language. Yeah. You know that he was on a on a uh, journey between lives, right? And they notice that they, they keep getting better, but the very fact that they get better, like there's more women and it's golden, etc., is it's kind of like a series of five failed marriages, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that, Mickey yeah. Rooney <laughs> yeah. or Elizabeth Taylor or something like that. <laughs> It looks like it looks glamorous, but the, uh, one is ejected from the other side. <laughs> yeah, swimming for one's life <laughs> back into the ocean. Okay. Yeah, it's a very skillful exploration of delusion, the mm -hmm. nature of delusion. Yeah. So yes, now there's nobody enforcing any of this. These are just product of natural law, isn't it? This it, it is, although there are like personnel beings that are in one of the hell realms. They're divided into the suffering beings and the torturers, Narayakas and Narayapalas, the mm -hmm. guards of hell, the mm -hmm. wardens of hell. And these are like a demonic sort of beings that, you know, drag people around with hooks or throw them in pots of boiling copper and you mm -hmm. know, various tortures. And there was an, in early Buddhism, there was a debate. Uh, this is in the book of the debates, the Katawatu is one of the discussions is whether the uh, hell wardens are actual beings <coughs> with consciousness and karma of their own or whether they're illusions mm -hmm. created by the karma of the sufferer. Uh, the Theravada came down on the side that, that to say that they are actual beings and it's a particular karma. If you're like a, a cruel, jail guard or, or a, a torturer mm -hmm. in, in the human life, you can be reborn there because this is also a you know a state of suffering. Mm -hmm. But other schools of Buddhism said, no, there are no actual beings. They're just illusions created by the, the suffering, you know, the karma mm -hmm. of the sufferers. Right. Real enough, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, what about this? This is an interesting case. This is very disturbing in some ways to the to the Western mind. Uh, the karma of soldiers mm. that are killing in battle. You know, yes. usually, usually in the West, we try to somehow describe it as not as murder, but as kind of a glorious service just, to just the country. Just killing but, somehow. Yeah, yeah, justified. Whereas the Buddha has some problematic uh, talk about this, even in the service of the, the uh, country. Killing, killing is always a bad karma in, in Buddhism. There's no kind of justify, justification for killing at any time. Um, and there is a story, it's a short sutta in the Samyutta, where a um, mercenary captain encounters the Buddha and they're having a dialogue and he asks the Buddha, it's said by the elders in our tradition that when a soldier dies, if he was good and brave, then he will go to the heaven of those slain by another and there enjoy feasting and uh, mock battles and so on. So it's like Valhalla, mm-hmm. right? They'll yeah. go to Valhalla and the Buddha is silent. He doesn't answer. So he follow asks three times and Tathagata always answers on the third time. Mm-hmm. Very, this is a... A, a motif that occurs often in the suttas. If there's some unpleasant truth that the mm-hmm. person you know, doesn't want to hear, <laughs> he hesitates to say. Yes, yeah, but if you keep insisting, he will. <laughs> the third time, he will tell you. <laughs> and he says, um, "No, what will happen is you'll go to the hell of those slain by another, where uh, you will be perpetually forced to hack each other up with swords and axes." Mm-hmm. And there's then there's a, a parallel sutta. Um, of uh, an actor mm-hmm. who uh, approaches the Buddha and with a sim- very similar wording. You know, he says, the elders in our tradition say that when a, an actor dies, he goes to the heaven of the laughing devas. Mm-hmm. And again, the Buddha is silent until the third time. And then he says, no, you'll go to the, um, the hell of, uh, of the, the hell of the laughing demons you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this one I've I, you know I've often contemplated having been in the arts myself known a few actors and it always seemed a little bit uh, mysterious so the commentary does it have an explanation yes, of the, why this would occur to uh, yes, actors yes the commentary says it's because the actors in their performance they lead people further into sensual desire and delusion aha uh-huh. if yeah, if the if it does, since uh, of course in the Buddhist tradition there's all kinds of Jataka plays. Yes, where even monks participate in, in yes. performances. So there must be a it's a type of drama. Yeah, I think it's uh, the, the the content. Like, yeah, you know, like um, it has it's valueless or degenerative uh, persuasion towards degenerative ideas. Yeah, so you're not exempt saying, oh, I was only an actor. And you're not exempt saying, I was only following orders. Yes. As a soldier. And yes. Of course, this is what the Second World War, came out of the Second World War, yeah. was that you're not exempt to say, I was just following orders. Yes. There are... Uh, yeah, that was established as yeah. like a principle of international law. Yeah. Yes. Very interesting, the Buddha is so far ahead of his time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this must be very discouraging uh, in Buddhist countries to try to get soldiers to enlist for that. With that in mind, I, I think that the monks in general are a little bit reluctant to 
be so explicit, just like the Buddha was like, yeah, 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 yeah. bring that out in front of the army. And as you know, uh, quite often the army will come and visit monasteries and ask for Dhamma talks from, yes. from monks yeah. and so forth. And it's always a bit of a tension there with, yeah. you know, you're not exempt just because you're in the army. If you kill somebody, you're not exempt. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it is a problematic thing. I have heard that some Thai soldiers justify it in their own minds by saying that they love their country so much they're willing not only to sacrifice their life but their next life. Yeah, uh, kind of a bodhisattva thing where you're you you're fully aware of the consequences of this, but yeah. you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, which is a bit strange, but that's the state. Most religions, Christianity, Buddhism, and so forth, when they when they permeate the the country, they are quickly subverted into state religions. Yeah, where it's not really it's like you see in the in the states, particularly uh, Christianity is is really not Christianity. It's it's religion of the state, mm-hmm. and it's justified through these things. But you're you're off, you're always off to war in some foreign country. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, even the and of course even the football teams are Jesus is on each side. Yeah, yeah. Framed to Christ, you know, to yeah. win it. Yeah, a very a subversion of the. Um, so it has really not the message does not necessarily penetrate into the the folk level quite often. And this is, you know, as you see in the time of the Buddha, the same ideas that the story is that we will we will actually have rewards, but the Buddha is reluctantly mm-hmm. tells them. Sorry, yeah. not gonna work. Not doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Throws the wrench into things. Yeah, uh, human history. <laughs> yeah, people have, um, you know, they have the 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 high ideals coming from the religion, but they always find ways to weasel mm-hmm. around it. Um, like some uh, fishermen in Buddhist countries, commercial fishermen, yeah. they they uh, justify it by saying, well, we're not actually killing any fish. We're just taking them out of the water, and then they die of natural causes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so any other um, dimensions that you want to explore with? Uh... Uh, we could mention uh, Yama. Mm-hmm. This is a inter- very interesting character. He's the... Um, the uh, guardian or king of of hell and he acts like a doorkeeper mm-hmm. and he's he's rather a sympathetic character because he seems to be reluctant to throw anybody into hell mm-hmm. he gives each person that comes before him you know somebody after death is brought before him and uh, he gives him a series of questions my good man did you not ever in your life as a human did you not ever see a a sick person and think I too am subject to sickness. <laughs> oh, oh no no that never occurred to me. <laughs> and he goes through this whole list of yeah. you know, sickness, old age, death, you know the whole works. And finally, in despair, he says, "Oh, it's nothing to be done with this one," and hands him over to the hell wardens, and they right. drag him off to be tortured. So this is this is more or less functioning as a judge, you know, yes. a judge who's not particularly a violent. One is just acting out, just showing that the universe has rules and laws. And he's kind of like a bureaucratic, you know, he's just following procedures. Right? Nice. Yeah. And I don't, I guess Yama really doesn't, it's not his karma. He, he's just a warden there. He's not actually enacting these punishments. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Yeah. And it said in, in one place in the commentary, it says that he's, uh, he's unhappy in his, in his lot. He hopes to be reborn someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good warden, actually. He's yeah. just a warden that would yeah, like just, to move on. Yeah. Just do his job. Yeah, do his job. <laughs> yeah. Very good. He's a curiosity about him, too, from a relationship of Yama, as we know him from the Buddhist sources, to older conception of Yama. Mm-hmm. And there's some overlap. In the Vedas, Yama was the first human. Hmm. And he had a twin sister. And they were the progenitors of the human race. Wow. Adam and Eve. Yes. Yeah, Yama yeah. and Eve. <laughs> and um, when he died, he was the first human to die. So they, they oh. made him Lord of Death. Oh. And his realm was the third heaven. Hmm. which in the Buddhist conception, the third heaven is Yama. Mm-hmm. It's spelled differently, though. It's ah. like long A, and Yama, the being, is short A. Mm-hmm. But it, um can't help thinking there is some connection. With yeah. Adam and Eve. Yama and Adam, almost, you know. Um, and uh, there, of course, uh, mortality is introduced uh, into the Garden of Eden when they when they sin. Yeah, yeah. They, because they're ignorant, uh, so they're they they're the first ones to die. Yeah. Wow, parallels, amazing parallels. You wonder where this stuff comes from and mm. how it how it yeah. arises. Yeah. Uh, from a modern point of view, we we look for like historical sources or origins to this, but from the Buddhist point of view, it's just it just keeps re- these themes keep recurring cyclically in in cyclical universes that just mm. keep reappearing and mm. fading and reappearing and fading. I think they express they express some kind of a deep truth, yeah. and different cultures and different um, traditions are kind of peering through a dark glass, trying to figure out you know and they express it through these stories. Yeah, and and so there's an underlying similarity in all the stories because they're all trying to get at the same thing. Yeah, and the best psychologists of, of the time, you know, whether you're a um, Neanderthal psychologist or, or whatever, uh, th- that type of person who reflects on motives and reflects into things is, is, is seeing these things and they become encased in stories. The Buddha is, quite often people think that the Buddha is borrowing from history or just adapting stories haven't come before. It's not necessarily the case any more than Einstein is just borrowing from Newton. Mm. Uh, He sees the same material, but sees that there's something lacking in the previous descriptions Mm. or distorted in the previous Mm. descriptions. So Galileo's version of the universe is not, not entirely different and it's not being, it's not based on the previous conception. He's looking at the same phenomena, but understanding them in different ways. So this is the tendency is to, to uh, assert that the, the Buddha is, is, is just evolving out of the Vedas or the Upanishads or something like this. Not necessarily so, just mm. in the same way f- physicists are not evolving out of the previous physics. physics. They have to see. And mm. quite often it's radically different, but not quite often it's sometimes just subtly different, you know. Mm could also uh, talk about the um, 
the interworld hell. That's a special case, the Lokantara Narayas. The scheme of the universe is that the Chakawalas, the world systems, are circular mm-hmm. and they uh, abut one another like the um, like wagon wheels, mm-hmm. so that there's a roughly triangular space in between the worlds, and this space is very dark and very cold, and the sun never shines there because the the orbit of the sun is lower than the walls around mm-hmm. the world system. So the um, Beings can be reborn into this this realm, and this is a particular karma that leads one there is a, a heavy wrong view. Mm-hmm. So the darkness of wrong view is expressed as utter darkness of mm-hmm. this realm. And it's said that they crawl around like bats hanging onto the outer walls of the world systems. Mm-hmm. And in the dark, they are unaware there are other beings. So they also suffer from great loneliness. Mm. And the, on a rare occasions, they encounter one another. They, they touch one another as they crawl around. And they immediately think it's something to eat because <laughs> they're also hungry. And they, they attack one another and they both end up falling down into the uh, caustic sea that everything floats on and they're dissolved. Mm. Yes, well, that, that, that's a nice description of certain types of mentality. Uh, that's a real lost type of consciousness, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Extreme darkness, the extreme fringes, the total rejection uh, from from any form of society. Yes. The, they're exactly. not even in a band of robbers or anything. Yeah. Like that. They're just isolated. And they're clinging to the outer yeah. walls of the world. And yeah. Everything that they could desire is on the inside, yeah. they're on the outside. Extreme but, isolation and madness. Yeah. Well, that is a exploration of a realm that is rarely talked about in sort of meditation circles. Um, and I suppose it's not a, a that you can see that the Buddha himself is reluctant to talk about this. Uh, but if people persist, so one of the reasons we talk about this is that we don't want to leave people ignorant, and also nicely misinformed that there is no such thing as these realms in, in Buddhism. There are descriptions of these realms. And there are cautionary tales. I mean, um, yes. we we really should be afraid to do evil. <laughs> it's a, it, there, are, there are consequences. <laughs> these, uh, these realms like this one and the Peter realm, they're used sometimes in um, Dhamma talks in the East, particularly in Burma. It's a, part of the tradition to it's like a hellfire sermon mm-hmm. to, to to encourage um diligence in your mm-hmm. practice because the only guarantee that you're not going to fall into that realms is to attain to the state of stream enter right first so, stage of enlightenment yes. yeah so uh if you want to be sure not to not you know first describe all the horrible things mm-hmm. that happen and then if you really want to escape from that you better get cracking with your practice and even if one is sure that one has done some, you know, plenty of good and been generous and um, and has really no significant uh, karma and confident that one should, you know, after this life be at least human or go to heaven, uh, there's still a matter of what happens after that, you know. So yes. in, in the Christian ideas of get to heaven, 
it's over, it's eternal. But yeah. in Buddhism, it's just a, it's just a resting place for a while. It's just a, it ends too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so, uh, but it requires a long view of things. Most often, people don't. They have the inability to delay gratification. And a short view of things, and that's the the mark of of development is the ability to delay gratification at the service of higher qualities of happiness, mm. and having a longer time frame for things, mm. centuries or millennia, and what, whereas the ordinary person or even an animal is just impulsive, it's only in the next two minutes that mm. has any meaning to them. Mm. So to see a nice radio in a in a store so you take a brick throw it through the window grab and yeah. run and then yeah. that night at the cocaine party somebody else steals it from you and in the morning both both the criminals and the cops are looking for you <laughs> 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 that kind yeah. of thing <laughs> versus a kind of a undertaking a, a 12 year doctorate <laughs> yeah. Yeah. living on ramen noodles and <laughs> yeah. And, and working at the soup kitchen on the side, you know, sort of thing. Mm. So you see this vast spectrum of, of consciousness and the, the great, re, the higher rewards are those ones, the longer views of things. Mm. So that is uh, a little tour of the Naraya realms.